0: My name's John. I'm one of the pastors here, at Redeemer Align. Really glad you're with us tonight. If you've got a Bible, open it up to Psalm 19. Psalm 19. We're going to read from verses 7 through 11 of Psalm 19. and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Let's pray. Some amazing promises here, Lord, about what your word does. Oh, I pray that it would do those things to us tonight. Would you make us like David, who values your word more than gold? It's sweeter to him than honey. Oh, please make us, shape us into people like that. Would you speak tonight through your word? Thank you that you have spoken. I pray that you would give us ears to hear and that you would be glorified and we would be happy in it. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. So we just finished the book of James. We walked through the book of James. I don't know how many weeks it took. Ten weeks or so? Ten weeks. Before that, we were in the book of Genesis. Next week, we're going to begin a five-part series on the church. What is the church? Why is the church important? What makes a church a church? Why do we gather? It's been a year and a half. It's been, has it been over a year and a half yet? Almost. Where we haven't gathered with our kids, not all of us have been able to gather together. We haven't taken the Lord's Supper. That's a really long time. And it would be helpful for us to consider, okay, what is the church? What are we? Why are we doing this thing? What's it supposed to be? But this week is even more foundational than that, than asking, what is a church? Before we start that series tonight, we're just going to talk about God's Word, God's Word, the Bible, this is where we get everything that we say. I mean, it's the reason we work through books of the Bible like James. It's the reason we work through Genesis. It's the reason we're going to have anything to say in the next five weeks about the church. It's because it comes from this Word. It's in the Bible. And that's the way it should be. You should not come to hear me or Luke or any of the other elders talk about our opinion about what church is. You should care, what does the Bible say? That's what I need. That's what you should demand of us and of any church you go to. It's a good thing for us to talk about God's word and why our lives and this church ought to be built on it. So Psalm 19 is poetry. This is a poem. David is singing about the greatness of God's word. We didn't read verses 1 through 6, but verses 1 through 6, David is singing about creation, and he's saying the world that God has made, the sky above, it's saying something. It's proclaiming God's greatness, and it is. The whole world is telling you something about God. You can see, you can walk outside, and you can know that there's a creator. You can know that he's glorious if you just open your eyes and wonder at the world around you. I mean, so many things to wonder at. Well, light. What is light? It's amazing. (laughs) Smells, amazing. Skin, what is this stuff? Wonder. Everywhere. If you have eyes to see, you can see the glory of God in creation. And that's what David praises in the first six verses, but none of that knowledge that you can get outside from looking at the created world, none of that knowledge will give your soul life the way that this book can. And that's why in verse 7, David moves from the glory of God in the world to the even more spectacular glory of God in his word. That's what he's doing. God's glory is in the world, but there's an even more spectacular glory and it's in this word. That's where he's going. You can be outside all day and you won't learn how God saves. You can see amazing things outside in creation and not know how you can get your sins forgiven. Or how Jesus saves someone like us. Or how you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. You cannot get that knowledge anywhere but this book. Only this book. And that's what we're going to see. We're going to take this sermon, this passage, in four parts. Four parts. And here they are. If you're a note taker, this is for you. David is praising God's word. I don't know if that's clear yet. But we're going to make it clear. He's praising God's word. David is praising God's word. Second point, because God's word is unique. Because God's word is unique. That's the second point. It's special. And therefore, this is point three, God's word leads us to life like nothing else can. That's a mouthful, but those are the first three points. David is praising God's word because God's word is unique. And therefore, point three, it leads us to life like nothing else can. And our fourth point will just be practical suggestions of how you can take the word in. And the word can be in you. So let's start. David is praising God's word. In verse seven, David says, the law of the Lord is perfect. You'll be helped, by the way, if you, if you have your Bible out in front of you or it's on your phone. You see in verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect. So that word law in Hebrew is Torah. Torah. Now that word law can mean a few things. It can refer to the commandments, the laws that God gave to Moses on Mount Sinai. That's what law can mean. It can also mean the first five books of the Bible. A lot of times the Jews called that the Torah, the law. Sometimes, though, this word just means instructions from God. And that's the way David is using it here. He's talking about instructions from God. And we know that because he keeps changing words. He uses five different words to let us know what he's talking about. Law, in verse 7. He calls it the testimony, in verse 7 as well precepts in verse 8, commandment in verse 8, and rules in verse 9. These are all talking about the same thing. So he's using lots of different words to describe the way that God instructs us. That's what he's doing. He's talking about this book. So what David has in mind when he uses the word law is not simply commandments. Commandments are included. He's... Praising all the instruction that comes from God. He's praising it. All these words, law, testimony, precepts, commandment, rules, are David's way of talking about God's instruction to us in his word. This is a psalm about God's word. That's what he's praising. Now you'll notice, David is not just saying, Law is great. Rules are great. Testimonies, I love them. Precepts, give them to me. That's not what he's saying. He's saying the law of God is great. The testimony of God is great. Do you see that? He says the law of the Lord. The testimony of the Lord. The precepts of the Lord. The commandment of the Lord. The rules of the Lord. These are the Lord's laws, precepts, rules, commandments, this little piece of jewelry here, do you see this? This is my wedding ring. It's gold and some other metal, I'm sure. This, by itself, the piece of metal, is really not that spectacular. If you were to come up to me and you were to hand me a ring like this and say, here, Pastor, I want to give this to you, I'd say, uh, you can keep it. I, I mean, I'd... Jewelry's nice, but it doesn't really do anything for me. But this, this, I'll go to war over this because of the person who gave it to me and what it signifies. David's not just saying, I love laws. Laws are good. I love rules. He's saying, No, I love these because they're the Lord's. <laughs> they're God's, God's precepts, His testimonies. And that's what makes them invaluable. God is speaking, and that's what makes these priceless for David, and you have it. You have it, God's Word. You can hold it in your (laughs) hands. It can fit on your phone. The Word of the living God. Not everyone in the world does have access to this, but you do. You do. You have the word of God. And even if you can't read, there are apps on this guy where you can listen to it. (laughs) Amazing. The word of God. David is praising God's word. It comes from God, which means it's unique. God's word is unique. This is the second point. It's special. It's unlike any other book it's from God, <laughs> which, is why, which is why David can say it's perfect. It's sure. It's right, pure, true, righteous altogether. It is those things because it comes from God. Those are six words I just mentioned that David uses to describe what this is, what it is. You see that as you look at it? The law of the Lord is perfect. Testimony of the Lord is sure. The precepts of the Lord are right. The commandment of the Lord is pure. The rules of the Lord are true. And six, righteous altogether. That's how David's describing what this is. So we're just going to look at them one at a time pretty quickly. It's perfect. Do you see that in verse 7? The law of the Lord is perfect. That means it has no flaws. There is nothing in this book that shouldn't be. And there's nothing that should be in it that isn't. There is not, this is perfect, there is not a better or more fitting revelation of who God is in Jesus Christ than this. There is not a more appropriate way, revelation, for us to learn how to glorify Him than this book. You may, you may wish, well, I wish He gave us a movie. I mean, that would be a lot easier, or a, po- a podcast at least. But that's not how it comes. Neither of those would serve to build the church to really know and glorify Christ as well as this. It's perfect. It's sure. Do you see that in verse 7? It's sure. Testimony of the Lord is sure. I went to the Grand Canyon when I was a child. Do you guys know what the Grand Canyon is? It's in the U.S. It covers several states. I mean, it's basically gigantic. Hole is not the right word. Um, where, where water has washed out deep, Miles-wide canyons, the Grand Canyon's there. When I was there as a kid, some people in my family had the opportunity to ride mules around the Grand Canyon. You know what a mule is? It's a combination of a horse and a donkey. And really, the best thing you can say about a mule is that it is sure-footed. That's what they were saying the whole time. Sure-footed, sure-footed mule. And what they mean is when you sit on this mule, you're not going to fall off the side of the canyon because they don't trip. Their feet are sure. You can put your weight on the back of this animal and not tumble over into the canyon. God's word is sure. You can lean all your weight into it and it will not let you down. You can lean all that you are and it will not fail you if you trust this book more than you trust your own heart or what anyone else in this world tells you. This is sure. It will not, it cannot let you down. It's right. You see that in verse 8? Precepts of the Lord are right. That means it's good. It's good. You can know what goodness is. And really, the only way you can be sure of what goodness is is from this book. Otherwise, it's just your opinion against someone else's. I think murder is evil. Well, I think murder is good. Let's see who wins. You can know what goodness is because God defines it. This word is right. It's good. It's pure. Do you see that in verse 8? The commandment of the Lord is pure. Pure. That means it isn't mixed. If you have pure gold, that means there isn't any other kind of metal mixed into it. You're not having to read your Bible and figuring out, okay, I can trust this part, but I don't know that I can trust this part. That's not the way this works. It's pure. All of it is completely trustworthy. You don't get information from other people like that ever. Ever. You're always having to weigh the information you get from other people. Okay, is that true? That, that seems true. I'm not sure about that. But not this. You weigh everything against this. It isn't mixed. It's pure. Completely trustworthy. Verse 9, it's true. The rules of the Lord are True. Just like goodness is real and you can know what is good, you can know what is true. God is the one who establishes reality. He is real and he makes all things that are real and he can tell you what's real and what's not. He can tell you what's true and what's false. And that's really important, just practically a side note, when your heart is telling you all sorts of things. How do I know it's true? This word will tell you what's true. That thing our world loves to say, just follow your heart. Listen to your heart. That is nonsense. Your heart lies to you every day. But this word is true. And it's righteous altogether. Verse 9. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Righteousness is living in a way that shows that God is infinitely great. That's what righteousness is. This word shows that God is infinitely great in Jesus. And if you want to show that he is, you need to know and trust this book. It's righteous altogether. This word is special. It's unique. There's nothing else in your life like this pure perfect sure right true and righteous altogether which leads to our last point well third third to last <laughs> second to last god's word because it is his word because it's special it leads us to life like nothing else can Look at how desirable reading God's instructions are to David. Skip down to verse 10. What kind of man talks like this? More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. He's saying that having instructions from God is more precious to him than having piles of fine gold. Think about that. If someone offered you 50,000 dirhams and all you had to do was give up one chapter of the Bible, erased from your memory, you never knew it existed, you'll never see it again. 50,000 dirhams, Haggai chapter 2, you guys know what's there? It's gone. 50,000. Would you do it? 100,000? A million? David wouldn't. If we would, we don't know what this is. David is saying that having God's word, all of it is more precious than piles of gold. He would rather have this than wealth. I want to be like that. Do you want to be like that? But it's not just valuable to David, it's sweet to him. Like honey is to our tongue, The word of God is to his soul. He enjoys it. How do you go from being someone who tolerates Bible reading? You don't like it that much, but you do it because you know you should. Or you don't like it and you don't read it. How do you go from being that kind of person to someone who is satisfied with the sweetness of what God has to say? Do you want to be like that? I do. This psalm can help you. It can help you value this word like golds and it can help you enjoy it like honey. Because God, David in his word, God through David is going to tell us what this word does to us. And when we know what it does to us, we're going to want it. We're going to value it. And we're going to see that it's sweet. So there are five things I think here that David says God's word does to us. We just talked about six things that God's word is, but now we're going to see what it does to us. It revives the soul. Verse 7. See that? The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Does your soul get tired? Mine does. Do you ever feel worn down by life? What do you want then when you feel worn down? You want to rest. Reading the Bible, understanding what it says, and then praying to believe it and apply it is hard work. And because of that, we're very often tempted to try to revive our weary souls with something else. I'm tired I'm worn down. Life is hard. I just need to watch a movie. I just need to check my news feed. I just need to eat some dumplings. I'm tired. Reading my Bible, praying through it, humbling myself under it, and applying it is hard. But here's the promise. It will revive your soul in a way that turning your brain off And entertaining yourself or medicating yourself with some other kind of pleasure will not. What your soul needs when it's tired is the Bible. Now, if you're beginning the book of Numbers, lists of names, you might not feel like it's reviving your soul. But keep going because this promise is true. Eventually, it will revive your soul. It's what it does. And this is also a good reason to memorize Scripture. So that when your soul needs reviving, which for me is daily, sometimes hourly, you've got a cool drink of water already stored up in there. And you can bring it to mind and revive your soul. Your phone won't do that. It will not do that. It cannot do that. Alcohol won't do that. Pleasure won't do that. A nap won't. Naps are good. But it won't revive your soul in a way your soul needs. There's a kind of contentment in life, a revival of soul that's satisfied no matter what else is going on, and it comes through this word. It revives the soul. Here's the second thing it does to us. It makes wise the simple. That's also in verse 7. Testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. So when the Bible calls someone simple, it just means they don't have wisdom. If you don't have wisdom, God's word will give it to you. So if you pray, like James tells us to, and if you store this word in your heart and meditate on it, trusting Jesus through it, you will be wise. Wisdom... Is knowing how to live in the best way. Wisdom is knowing how to live in the best way, and this book has the information for that. This book doesn't contain all the information you might need in life. This is not gonna tell you how to cook rice, it's not gonna tell you the history of Japan, it's not gonna tell you the laws of aerodynamics but it does give you the information you need in order to be wise with all the other information you have. Wisdom is knowing how to live in the best way and that means knowing how to live your life with what you have for God's glory and being happy in that. That's what wisdom is. If you are not wise, your life will be a disaster even if you know more information than everyone else. You won't know how to glorify God and how to be happy in glorifying Him. This book can make you wise unto salvation. That's what 2 Timothy three fifteen says. Here's the third thing it does to us. It rejoices the heart. See that in verse 8? The precepts of the Lord are right rejoicing the heart. This book will give your heart joy. Your heart has longings that cannot be satisfied except by God. You were made to know Him, you were made to have a relationship with the living God. That's why Jesus came. He came into this world to die for our sins, to rise from the dead, to conquer death, to reconcile us to God. That's why he came. And do you know how that forgiveness and reconciliation becomes yours? Do you know how it becomes yours? By believing the truth that Jesus died in your place and rose from the dead. That's how it happens to you. But where did you get that truth from? The Bible. Now, someone may have told it to you. You may have read it somewhere, but it came from here. Believing the truth about who Jesus is and what he's done for us is what connects you to God, who is the source of all joy. And it's not just that way at the beginning, You can grow in experiencing joy in knowing God, and it happens as you grow in believing the truth in this book. That's how it happens. Believing the truth in this book is how you can have fellowship with God daily. It's how you can be filled with the Spirit daily. It would be one thing if I said, you are made for a relationship with God, fellowship with Him, let's go outside and look at the stars together and worship. It doesn't work that way. Now, you can worship God under the stars, but it's only if your heart is informed by what's in this book. The way you will experience deep, deep, deep joy is by having a relationship with God and it comes in deeper and deeper measure as you believe what he has said in this book. Do you want that? Come get joy in God through his word. Here's the fourth thing it does. It enlightens the eyes. Do you see that in verse 8? The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Now this is a phrase that's a lot like reviving the soul, Enlightening the eyes means you're weary, your eyes look tired, and when you get new strength, your eyes become enlightened. There's a story in 1 Samuel chapter 14 where King Saul, he commands his army that they can't eat any food until they've finished battling the Philistines. And it was a stupid command. His army gets tired. Now, Jonathan, Saul's son, didn't hear the command, and so in the middle of the battle, he eats honey. And the text says, 1 Samuel 14, that his eyes became bright. It's the same Hebrew wording as enlightening the eyes. He had new strength for battle. That's what God's word will do to your soul. It will give you strength for all the battles your soul needs. And you're going to have a lot. Your life as a Christian is not just an easy coast uphill towards glory. There are going to be serious sufferings, serious battles. Satan hates your guts. He wants you dead and he wants you in hell forever. And he's going to wage war. And how will you have the strength? Through the word of God. It enlightens the eyes. It gives our souls strength. Five, God's word makes us Fear Him. It makes us fear Him. Look at verse 9. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. Now, the fear of the Lord is something God's Word creates in you. That's what the fear of the Lord is. When you trust and read God's Word, it creates fear in you. It makes you fear God. Now, we don't normally talk like this. If you said to me, John, I want you to meet my wife, I fear her greatly, I would be a little confused and I would probably be scared to meet your wife. Why is this guy, why is this guy afraid of his wife? We don't usually use the word fear in a positive way, but many times in the Bible, when you fear something, it means that's the thing that concerns you the most. Whatever it is that concerns you the most, that's the thing you fear. And when you fear God, it means you care more about what he thinks than you care about anything else. What you're afraid of is not that you're afraid of being close to him. You're afraid of anything that would separate you from him. That's what the fear of the Lord is. You fear God. You're concerned about him. And so you care what he thinks more than you care about what your soul is saying to you or what other people are saying. And this is saying the fear of God is clean. It's clean. It's an interesting phrase, isn't it? You know that feeling after you take a shower or you bathe and you put on a fresh set of clothes? You're clean. You smell good. You feel good. Fearing God is clean in His eyes. That's what holiness is. It's attractive to God when we fear Him. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever, means if you trust Jesus, this book will change you so that you care more about pleasing God than anything else. That's the only way to be holy, and that's the kind of life that will last forever. God's word can do it to you. So in summary, verse 11, David says, Moreover, by them, talking about the law, testimony, rules of the Lord, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. So why does David think God's word is more valuable than gold? Sweeter than honey? It's because he he knows God's word warns him of everything that will kill him. And it rewards him. This is what I want for you and me for us to be convinced that trusting this word really is rewarding, that it really will revive our souls, that it really will make us wise, that it really will give joy to your heart and strength to your soul for every battle that comes your way. It will. That's how you can value it more than gold. And that's how it will be sweeter to your soul than honey is to your lips. So here's some practical suggestions. If you're listening to this and at any point you said, yes, yes, I need this word. I want the word reviving my soul, making me wise, rejoicing my heart. I need that then I just want to make a few practical suggestions about how to make this a part of your daily life. If you don't plan now, when you're convinced that you need it, it won't happen because your alarm's going to go off at 6 a.m. tomorrow morning and you're going to say, "Uh, I don't think so. You need a plan. The Word will do this kind of work on you when you're in it regularly and it's in you. So here's the first practical suggestion, have a Bible reading plan. Have a Bible reading plan. Don't just open up your Bible every day and pick a new spot to start reading in. That's not how the Bible's supposed to be read. Get a plan. There are lots of good plans out there. Lots of good plans. There, you can read four chapters of the Bible every day and get through the Bible in a year. So you want to go slower than that? Two chapters will get you Through the Bible once every two years. Get a plan. I use a plan. I got it printed out right here. I have little boxes that I can check. It helps me keep up. Have a plan of how you're going to read the Bible. If you don't have one, I'm pleading with you. Come talk to me or Luke after the service. We will not judge you. Like, oh, they don't have a plan. Who's this joker? We will help you get a plan. We will. That's what we want to do as pastors. So please come talk to us. Practical suggestion two, memorize fighter verses with us. Memorize fighter verses with us. So as a church, we are going to start memorizing a new verse every week. And they're called fighter verses because they help you fight sin. They help revive your soul, give your soul strength for the battle. Would you join us in memorizing these? We have printouts. I don't know what I did with mine. I brought it up, I thought. We have printouts in the back of the verses we're going to be memorizing this year. The text is already there. Take one of those printouts with you. It's back on the offering box in the very back. Take it as you go and join us. We're starting next week memorizing 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and 7. Do it. Join us in that. This is how you can put God's Word on your heart. We're going to have it on our website, so if you forget, lose your little thing, you can continue to join us in that. Here's the third practical suggestion. This is the last one. Join one of our Bible studies. We have three Bible studies going on right now. We have two English studies and one Tagalog study. So one English study is on Monday nights. They just started the book of Revelation. If you want to hop in on that, join them. To talk with Luke. Pastor Luke, Luke, could you raise your hand? Just so everyone sees you. Talk to Luke. He'll get you connected. We have another one on Wednesday nights. If you want to get connected with our Wednesday night English speaking study, they're about to start a new book. Talk with Luke again. If you're going to talk with Luke for any of these studies. If you're a Tagalog speaker, we have a Bible study on Friday nights. Join us. I mean, we do this as a church because we believe this stuff. And we want to help each other grow in knowing and trusting this word because it gives life. It's more precious than gold and sweeter than honey. So be rich in soul and be satisfied in your soul by knowing Jesus through this word. There's nothing else like it. Let's pray.